Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Hey guys, welcome to starting a counseling practice podcast. This is Kelly Higdon, the other half of Zinimi with Miranda Palmer. And today I am joined with Mercedes Samudio. She's a licensed clinical social worker in California. She is also the creator and founder of the Diversity in Parenting Conference. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I've known Mercedes. Well, I'll just talk to you since you're here. I've known you for years now. Yes. And I have watched you grow from practice into being really a thought expert in the parenting industry, which I'm grateful for with a seven-year-old. Um, <laughs> I do learn a lot from you. And um, I am, for those of you guys that are listening, I invited Mercedes on because she has this conference coming up and there's some really unique, beautiful things about the conference. And I wanted to share it with you because I think it's really valuable for people in private practice as a whole especially when we're considering all the different kinds of ways we can learn and gather information. I, for one, Mercedes knows this, am not a big fan of big conferences, but this one I'm excited about. <laughs> so I want to share with you why. So Mercedes, tell me about why this conference and why this topic. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons why this conference for me is because as an African-American clinician, a clinician of color, when I go to a lot of conferences, especially in the mental health and professional world, there's not a lot of diversity there. Mm -hmm. It's usually the same speakers, the same types of speakers, usually older white men. Um, white women are starting to get some visibility, which is nice, <laughs> right? But it's usually no other types of identities being showcased or um, having any kind of space or visibility in these, pro these professional conferences. And when there are people of color speaking, they're usually only speaking on diversity, which again, <laughs> yes. kind of marginalizes us and pigeonholes us. And as someone who, again, has a community of other clinicians of color that I collaborate with and connect with, we don't all talk about diversity. That's not all of our niches. We all do the same things right. that our white counterparts talk about, <laughs> like we do yes. the same types of work. <laughs> yes. I think about like Lisa Savage and her school-based yes. mental health stuff, yes. uh, what yes. she does. And um, yeah, uh, there's just, there are other things besides... <laughs> <laughs> diversity and yeah. yeah and along with that so you saw this need mm -hmm. and you decided I'm gonna fill it yeah and you know what it's funny because I saw the need I got very frustrated over the last year about just every webinar every summit every conference that was coming out I was like where's the representation? What's going on here? Um, and so I was lamenting about that in a group of mine that I'm in with other clinicians of color. And pretty much the consensus was, well, why don't you start your own? Mm. And I was like, oh, I can't do a conference. Who am I to do a conference? I, uh -huh. I'm just me. And um, one of my speakers actually PM'd me and said, just set a date and start. 
And here we are. I did that. I announced it in November of 2018. And here we are, you know, starting to do it and actually seeing it come to fruition and getting ticket sales and having sponsors and having a venue. And it seems, it seemed really surreal back then. Like, who am I to do this? But as I'm starting to put it on and you mentioned it, it's like, there's this need. People want to see more diversity in their professional conferences. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I realized that my wheelhouse is parenting, as you stated in the beginning of the interview, that's my thing. And even within the parenting professional world, it's really populated and, um, it's really kind of focused around white moms, right? And I began to look at it and say, well, there are other types of people and identities who parent, right? And so we can't just all come from the white affluent uh, family, heterosexual perspective. There are so many other types of family systems and so many other types of identities that choose to take on the parenting role. And we as clinicians need to know how to support those families and need to know how their unique identities um, translate into their struggles and their their barriers because it looks different when you're not just a white affluent heterosexual family you have different struggles you have different barriers you have different systems that you identify with and so it's really important for us to have a diversity in parenting conference because again I believe that no matter what population you work with you're always contending with somebody's early childhood and family experiences even if you're not specifically working with children and families. Yeah, I think that that's the other aspect of like this idea. You know, we have like the play therapy conference, we have the cognitive behavioral therapy conference. So they're very like niched. And so people go because they're play therapist or they're CBT specialist. And people are like, oh, but I'm not a parenting specialist. But (laughs) you see a lot of parents in your practice. Yes, yes. You have a private practice. Yeah. And you're dealing with the Um, after effects of how we're parented. So a lot of people come into therapy because of how they were parented or because of how their early family life kind of shaped them. And so if you don't have any understanding of what a single parent family system looks like, what an LGBTQ family system looks like, and someone comes in and says, this is what I grew up with, you won't understand those unique barriers and dynamics that gave the person the complex they have. Yeah, so I'm a huge advocate for, even if you're not directly working with families and children, it's really important to come to conferences like this one, because then you get to learn all the different nuances and intricacies that befall a family that doesn't look like this traditional two-parent heterosexual household. Mm -hmm. I'm blown away at some of the topics that are being presented on, because I think there's two layers of diversity. There's diversity in the presenter themselves, mm-hmm. but the diverse, like you got it both. I, that's what just blew me away. The <laughs> topics are like, I want to learn about that. I want to learn. And I'm not even practicing right now. And I'm like, yeah. Um, yeah. But I think as a parent, even, I'm just so curious about all the different. So what are some of your like, most favorite top well I don't want you to favoritize yeah to say can you share some of the topics that are going to be talked about yeah yeah um you know I think one of the things that I was really interested in when um, I heard about this speaker and their topic is eating disorders and families of color Mm. that doesn't normally get talked about right we always think 
that it's female, white, affluent families who are dealing with eating disorders and not realizing how it looks in other families. Um, talking about families who were created through adoption and the LGBTQIA families and how they create their families through adoption. Um, I have someone that's going to be talking about nonviolent parenting, both in the Latinx family community as well as in the African American community, and just really demystifying that it's not just a white person perspective on, on parenting to believe in nonviolent parenting. Um, I have um, a speaker talking about where are the men and the value of fathers and the um, our, our male identified um, people in the family because I think it's important that we don't exclude the father perspective and how important that male identified person is in the family. Um, I'm thinking I have someone talking about non traditional parenting. Uh, one of my speakers actually um, got married and then had a child and this her partner came out and so now they're co parenting where her partner is um, living as a gay man now with his partner and she now they're co-parenting and so how does that look when a family is um, created in that way and so I'm just trying to think of we talk about domestic violence in the family and how that changes the family uh, we talk about how trauma and sexual abuse changes the family and how to talk about it I have a speaker who will be speaking on single parents and that family system and what that does and how that looks for families and so just a myriad of different topics where there's so many types of family systems. There are so many identities that get ignored when we're talking about certain diagnoses. Um, one that just popped in my head right now is cultural competency when we're diagnosing children with ODD and um, ADHD, Ooh. right? Um, and things like that. I mean, just so many topics that I felt I, as a clinician, want to know about and spend a lot of time getting to understand about and wanting to offer these types of breakout sessions to clinicians so we get a breadth of knowledge about what does it really look like to work with these types of parents and their families, to work with these types of family systems. So that way we're not just looking at everybody through this kind of tunnel vision lens, right? We're not just trying to shoehorn people into the goal of being a perfect traditional family, but we're really embracing the variety of what a family system can look like and the strengths of a variety of family systems and identities. Yeah, and I think expanding our definition of wellness and health, you mm -hmm. know, like you're saying, if we have this heterosexual, white, normative, whatever, upper class vision, right. <laughs> you know, right. and we've, like, I was trained in a systems perspective in right. school, right? But right. understanding that's not our system. Right. And so, right. you know, but how we can project that into the room and what that does in the therapy world, I think, is important. So expanding our knowledge expands our options for wellness and right. health. And that gives our clients more options for health right. and um, um, uh, whatever healthy family looks like for them. Right, right, right. So, then, go ahead. I was going to say, too, I feel like another thing that you touched on that I was really Im impressed by and I really wanted to focus on for the conference is, like you said, the diversity in speakers. I think one of the things that's so important to our clinical field is to show that there are so many thought mm -hmm. um, there are so many thought leaders and change makers who aren't old white men, right? And that we're out here doing real work, innovative work, and we're changing the dynamics for people. And the word that keeps coming up for me is representation. When 
you know, interns and students see people who look like them in these types of conferences doing this type of work, it emboldens them. And I think it empowers them to continue doing that work and say, okay, there's a space for me in the mental health world. There's a space for me in the parenting professional world. I don't have to do the normative traditional kind of stuff. I can really forge my own path and infuse my cultural identity, infuse my sexual orientation, infuse my gender identity into what I'm doing. And I think seeing people who are diverse in these spaces gives you that permission to say, oh, I don't have to hide that part of me because here's someone who looks like me who is showing up in their cultural identity, in their identity and not hiding it. And I think that's so important to our field to have that much diversity and to see it actually play out in our professionals and our speakers. I mean, that's what we talk about when we talk about niche, right? Like there's the, sure, who you want to work with, but at the end of the day, it's about who you are Mm -hmm. and how you show up and no one can replicate that niche. Like, (laughs) you know, and there is a need for that. Yes. There's a need for that unique, you know, whatever it is that makes you unique and different. Yes. Yes. And so there is room and I, I am inspired by how much room you've made at the conference, at the table, you know what I mean? Like, it is, it's really beautiful and so encouraging and exciting, like, to, to see. I can't wait for it. <laughs> I think that, you know, that's the other thing of, like, when we did most awesome conference a few years ago, it was on the premise of, I hate conferences really. Mm. And you know, like what, what would make a conference really uh, valuable to, and I think there's always something like filling the gap is, you know, like standing in the gap, so to speak, there is something rich about that. And that's what I love seeing you do saying like, this isn't working. This is what I, I see not happening. I'm going to fill that space. And I think that's why it's, so successful. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of part of changing the dynamic. Um, Social media, and I see this all the time, people complain about how things are. And I'm human. I, you know, I kind of lament too, but I think we also have to think, how can we change things? Right? We can complain all the time, but if we don't see what we want to see, then how do we become that change, right? That, that old quote, be the, the change you wish to see in the world. How do you do that? And I feel like when you decide, I'm going to do a conference, I'm going to do a webinar, I'm going to do a course, I'm going to build my practice, I'm going to do these things, you're stepping foot and saying, I want to be the change I wish to see. I don't just want to complain about how there's no diversity and there's no this, and there's not enough of that, or people are portraying us wrong and all that stuff. It's saying, okay, I'm going to step out and say, I want to change this. I want people to see that we can do it in a healthy way, not just complain, but here's a conference, here's a webinar, here's a course, here's a practice that shows you how to actually move forward in a way that creates change. I mean, when you first started, I remember way back when, (laughs) how many years ago it was, but one of the things we talked about was like, Mercedes, you're picking like one of the most highly stigmatized niches. You know, parenting is one of those, like, let's just not talk about it because we don't agree. And then someone's going to look at my parenting and criticize me. And I mean, it's really just a sensitive, personal, uh, you know, area, you know, and, and you went for it. Um, and I think that's the other interesting thing too, that this conference being focused on parenting, it is one of those things that is highly stick, maybe stigmatized isn't the right word. I don't know if you have a better word for it, but it's just so precarious to to navigate and talking about. I I agree. 
I agree with that. And I think for me, one of the reasons why is because of what you just said, it's people judge so quickly, right? And here's what's funny. We do it as clinicians too, right? I've worked with so many clinicians. I was just in a social media thread where everyone was lamenting about how much they can't stand the parents and how they just want to work with the kids. It's such a difficult um, identity to really work with because I think people all have their own preconceived notions about what you're supposed to do when you're a parent. You're supposed to be this. You're supposed to be that. If you're not this, then you're not a good enough parent. If you're this, then you're a great parent. If you're not doing this, then you're a bad parent. And we have so many misconceptions and so many myths around that identity that I think even when we try to work as clinicians helping them, we get bogged down and we trip over our own myths, our own issues, our own stuff. And so one of my things has always been trying to also help clinicians understand how they set up a healthy space for the ways in which we come into our parent identity. Some people come into it ready and willing and open and some people and I would honestly say most people come to it very apprehensively and very fearfully because of what happened to them and what they're bringing to their new parenting and then of course when I sit down with the therapist all that's still there it doesn't go away I'm still human so you're going to get to see those human parts of me even though I have the title of parent you're going to get to see all those pieces of me that have nothing to do with my parenting, but have everything to do with who I am as a human. And so I really want to help clinicians understand these different ways in which that humanness kind of infiltrates their parenting identity and how can we help the parent and how can we help the family heal from all of that stuff. Right. And so that's kind of my bigger mission, my bigger goal just in general in life. But the conference, I think, is one of those ways that I can meet that goal, where if I can empower clinicians to feel better about single parents and LGBT parents and fathers and help them feel like they actually have clinical skills to support these different identities and these different issues, then I think we can be better stewards of change for the parents and the families that come into our offices. Hey, it's Kelly. Are you enjoying today's episode? There is so much more to starting your private practice. That's why we created Business School for Therapists. It's our lifetime access business building program created especially for you and all the future stages of practice that you are going to go through. If you're ready to join a community that supports you, that to have access to a massive library of private practice trainings covering everything from creating your vision to setting your fee to getting you legally covered and more, this is for you. Simply go to bit.ly slash therapist business school to get started. Would you say that the biases that we have as clinicians are quite protective? Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of us, I, every time I work with clinicians and I do this, and this has been kind of one of my new niches that I've been doing for the past couple of years, um, talking to clinicians about engaging parents in treatment. Um, every time I talk to them, I start off with, we all came from families. None of us came from robots or aliens or from some <laughs> weird place where we just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh-huh. We all came from parents, and that means that we bring all of that stuff into our work with parents and families. You're going to inevitably, especially if you work with parents and families, sit with the family in your office and see your mom sitting right in front of you, see your dad sitting right in front of you, see your sister, your brother. You're going to see it, and if you haven't done the work to manage what those people did to you, you're going to inadvertently sometimes, not even directly or on purpose, project that on the people who are sitting in front of you. And I see that a lot with clinicians because we want to do the work and we want to change and we want to help people. But a lot of times we haven't done our own work because it's hard, 
right? Mm-hmm. And going, that deep stuff is hard. <laughs> so sometimes we just kind of go into the work and we feel like the work will guide us. But oftentimes I've heard from clinicians when they sit in front of a family and they see their family member in front of them, that's when it's the hardest. That's mm-hmm. when it's the hardest to really work with that person. That's when they, I think they build up that protective factor of, this is why I don't like parents. I can't work with the parents. It's always the parents because something got triggered there. Something said, oh, this is scary. This Hide, go back into your, your protectiveness. And for some of us, our protectiveness is clinical, right? We go back to, well, I'm the therapist and I know what I'm doing, right? And for some of us, it's, it comes out in other ways, other mm-hmm. ways that it comes out, yeah. Mm-hmm. So doing the work, let's talk about what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the automatic go-tos is like doing your own therapy, right? Yes. And understanding. Yes. But I think there's other work too. Mm. Like in terms of just like the education. So yeah. exposing yeah. yourself and challenging. So that's what I kind of like about the conference is yeah. that this isn't about being comfortable. This is mm. about like confronting maybe some of those biases that we are bringing because either we lack knowledge or we want to protect ourselves and our story, or we're not managing transference and those kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. So I think the work is, I think it's an automatic. Well, for me, it's always been, Oh, I'm going to do the work in therapy, but there's other ways, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, and here's the reason why I think conferences changing is important because doing the work also is going to professional conferences and being challenged. But how are you challenged when it's the same type of person speaking every single time? I I will go back to the evolution of psychotherapy conference and you, you tabled there. I know you guys had your your thing there and I don't know if you went to any of the actual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there were like five or six sessions with the same person. And I remember thinking, you can't find anyone else to talk about these topics. You have to use the same person to do five or six breakout sessions. That doesn't make any sense. And so how can I be challenged if Kelly is talking at 11, 12, 1, 2, and 3? <laughs> <laughs> She's going to just say the same stuff no, over and over. <laughs> right? And so, and again, they spursed it out so it didn't feel that way. But at the end of the day, you realize, wow. I'm lucky. And again, I love some of those people, right? I love to see them speak and I don't mind following them around the conference and seeing them. But I think when it comes to going to a professional conference, you are there to get challenged. You are there to, you're taking time out of your practice, out of your day, out of your life to learn more skills. And if you're watching the same person with the same philosophy, talk about the same interventions, how are you getting challenged? How are you learning? How are you developing? Right. Especially when those, uh, interventions and those sessions are from one perspective only are from one identity only mm. what are we doing how are we how are we expanding our understanding of the diversity that's in our clients that's mm-hmm. in people who come see us right mm-hmm. we're doing a disservice i think to ourselves as well as to our clients boom <laughs> right? boom uh, yeah right um james guy at last year's uh Therapy Reimagined Conference, uh-huh. he was talking about being um, a clinician working with the LGBTQIA community. Yes. And he said, we need to be more than just an ally. Our clients yeah. need more than that. And I was so moved by that mm-hmm. because I feel like that works not just with that community, but with every other marginalized identity to it. I can't say, oh, I understand. I'm here. I'm your friend. I have to really know and understand your struggles and get that education and get mm-hmm. that training to work with you. Right. I can't just be an ally and say, oh, I understand. You know, I have a Latino friend. That's nice. But do you really understand what it yes. means to be Latinx in this world? Yes. 
And I think that that was such a powerful statement that he made. Yes. And I think that that's, there's also the aspect of in the room with the client, there is the getting to know them and what it means for them. Mm. Then there's the education on our part that is our responsibility to continue to educate on understanding and opening up, you know? So I know that there sometimes can be a, a thought and I was taught this by a few people where it doesn't matter because the client is in the room and you're going to have them teach you. But mm-hmm. I don't think it works that way. And I think well, that it's not fair. No. Yeah. I'm paying yeah. for an hour. And if I'm spending 30 minutes teaching it's you about just, my yeah. culture, then where's my time? For yes. Me? <laughs> yes. And so you want to know the meaning for them. You want to yeah. hear their experience that you want the understanding, but the education aspect is on us. And I think that the, the, this, conference is probably the most diverse I have seen mm-hmm. in terms of like just the breadth of topics so that you can continue to educate yourself. And, right. and I, that's, and you know, I know that we talk a lot about starting private practice and business and stuff. And one of those aspects of running a business is the ongoing education and fueling of your knowledge and growth as a clinician. And there are lots of conferences to attend. I can yes. only get that. Yes. What, and I remember when you came out with it and I was like, I don't have to be a parenting professional. Do I? Or yeah. I'm, like, I'm a parent. I've been yeah. parented. I qualify. You know, yes. Like, yes. And that's why I feel like it's one of those kind of general conferences in the sense that it applies to all of us, but that, the avenue by which the information is delivered is in a very kind of niche, niched way yeah. of like yeah. from the context of parenting, which I thought it's just so cool. So for those people who are wanting to check it out, can you mm-hmm. give the details about the conference, yeah. what it is and where to get Definitely. info? So uh, the conference is September 13th and 14th, 2019 in Anaheim, California, right down the street from Disneyland, which is fun and awesome. Um, (laughs) And it's also, if you're not from SoCal, it's a very nice time of the year uh, in SoCal. So it's kind of fun in the sun, if you will. It's like a little vacation space. Um, And it is all the information for tickets and for hotel and all that stuff is going to be on the website, diversityinparentingconference.com. And on that website, like I said, you can find uh, the tickets, you can find hotel information, you can also find um, information on the speakers and the topics and the schedule for the day. And I also want to add, since we are talking about mental health professionals, that I am uh, NBCC approved for CE units. And so there will be sessions there that you can earn CEs for. So when all that information gets done, if you're on the website, if you've had your tickets, you'll get all the information about which specific uh, sessions will uh, earn you CE credit hours. And that's for master's levels clinicians. Uh, in the United States. Sweet. Yes. So if you haven't figured out by now, Mercedes is amazing. (laughs) And I hope to be at the conference. I'm looking at some of my travel stuff and seeing if I can make it work Um, Mm -hmm. as an attendee, not as a speaker, not as an exhibitor, not having to do anything, but just show up and learn. I can't wait. Nice. Exciting. Nice. Um, And, um, I just love your heart. So thank you for coming on here and sharing. And 
I'm hoping, like, even if you don't attend the conference, that you're inspired by Mercedes' mission. And also to be inspired by, this is her private practice. This is mm -hmm. how she practices. Mm -hmm. And so there are many ways to serve. And it's beautiful. I love the options that we have. And yeah. I love watching your path grow and change over time. It's been yeah. so fun. And um, yeah, so you guys check out Diversity and Parenting Conference. Thank you, Mercedes. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.